MSW Media. Thanks to our new sponsor, Factor. Factor delivers delicious, fresh, never frozen meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash dailybeans50 and use code dailybeans50 to get 50% off your first box. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, March 16th, 2023. Today, the DOJ says executive privilege claim can't save Peter Navarro from his contempt of Congress charge. Chinese billionaire and owner of the yacht Bannon was arrested on, Wu Wengui, has been arrested himself. Members of the Fulton County Grand Jury, they talk with journalists from the Atlantic Journal-Constitution and Trump Media, Trump's company that owns True Social. Well, it's being investigated for money laundering. A surprise to no one. I'm your host, Dana Goldberg. AG is traveling, so I'm doing this solo. Here we go. Oh my goodness. Okay, so already I miss my my, my co-host because it's so strange doing this alone, but I know that everyone's out there listening so I don't feel alone. Do you, does that make sense? I think it makes sense. For those of you that have not gotten tickets yet to my May 20th show in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there's only 30 tickets left in this very intimate 300-seat theater. I'm so excited to go home. It's actually been over a decade since I've done my long show because I normally produce the Funny Fest. And when I do the Funny Fest, it's only about 15 to 20 minutes set, and this will be over an hour. So get your tickets if you haven't already. Go to my website, danagoldberg.com. Go to the appearances page and scroll down and pick those up today. Now, we don't have any indictments, so there's no tweets from indictments only yet but there's still a little bit of week left. So brag, let's do this. I want an indictment. Even if it's just for the hush money, that's a beginning. But there's still a lot of news to get to, so we're going to do that. I'm flying solo, but I'm hitting the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up, the DOJ filed its brief arguing against Peter Navarro's unsupported claims of executive privilege and testimonial immunity. This one's from Kyle Cheney at Politico. And basically, the headline on this is pretty clear. Trump cannot save Navarro from contempt of Congress prosecution. Now, this is a quote from Kyle. said, Donald Trump never asserted executive privilege to block Peter Navarro from testifying to the January 6th Select Committee. And even if he did, it wouldn't have excused the former Trump trade advisor's decision to blow off the committee entirely. Justice Department prosecutors argue in newly filed court papers. So you can't just tell the DOJ to fuck off and think there won't be consequences. And the quote continues, the select committee subpoenaed Navarro in early 2022, seeking information about his efforts to support Trump's bid to subvert the outcome of the 2020 election. Navarro, whose primary official role at the time was responding to the COVID pandemic, that was his role, and he spent weeks after the election compiling a report that leveled discredited claims of election fraud. Trump cited that report in the same tweet he urged supporters to come to Washington on January 6th for that wild protest. Well. Navarro has also publicly described strategizing with no one other than Three Shirts Bannon and House Republican lawmakers on a strategy they dubbed the Green Bay Sweep, a tactical plan for House and Senate Republicans to formally object to Joe Biden's election during the certification of electoral votes on January 6th. 
Well, the select committee subpoenaed Navarro on February 9th of 2022, and Navarro responded almost immediately that he would not comply because of executive privilege. We're finding out now that's not going to fly. Well, after weeks of failed discussions between the committee and Navarro, Biden's White House counsel issued a letter indicating that Biden had determined not to support any claim of privilege over Navarro's testimony. And Navarro then blew off a March 2nd deposition date. The House soon held him in contempt and recommended that the DOJ pursue criminal charges, which it did in June. Well, the assistant U.S. attorney started DOJ's 26-page brief by saying, and this is another quote, the jury in defendant Peter K. Navarro's trial should be charged, which is Peter Navarro, by the way, should be charged with deciding only the essential elements of the charged offense. That is, whether the defendant knew he had been subpoenaed by the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, to produce documents and appear for a deposition, and nonetheless made a deliberate decision not to do either. Well, the defendant argues that both executive privilege and testimonial immunity excuse his noncompliance with the committee's subpoena. This is incorrect. As set forth herein, even had former President Trump purported to invoke executive privilege or testimonial immunity, of which the defendant has offered no evidence, those assertions would not have justified the defendant's categorical noncompliance with the subpoena as to either the documents in his possession or his appearance at the deposition. Now, for this reason, the court should exclude from trial all argument and evidence relating to executive privilege and testimonial immunity and grant the United States' pending motion, end quote. Now, so we're going to see how Judge Ahmet Mehta rules on that. We'll see what happens. And I don't know about you, and I'm pretty sure you can agree. I hope that Navarro sees some consequences, and I hope they are steep. I'm so tired of these douchebags thinking they can just blow off the law, especially when it comes to congressional subpoenas. AG and Pete, they're going to be breaking this down in the next cleanup on aisle 45. So if you have more questions or the story is still unclear, they're going to cover it in great detail. So be sure to check that out for a deeper dive. And speaking of consequences to people in the Trump world, well, Guo Wengui, he's that fellow that's real good friends with Giuliani. Yeah, you remember the laptops incident? Well, here we go. He was arrested in a $1 billion fraud conspiracy. This is fucking golden. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, and I quote, led a complex conspiracy to defraud thousands of his online followers out of over a billion dollars. Quoke, which is, I guess, one of this guy's aliases, which he's used many, is charged with lining his pockets with the money he stole, including buying himself and his close relatives a 50,000-square-foot mansion, Jesus H., a $3.5 million Ferrari, go fuck yourself, and even two $36,000 mattresses, what? And financing a $37 million luxury yacht. So he's just throwing money around left and right. Well, Wengui also reportedly paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to Trump advisors, including, I haven't showered in a year, Steve Bannon, Giuliani, which could fall under that, and the attorney L. Lynn Wood, who joined efforts to overturn that election in 2020. We know this. And hours after his arrest, ABC Eyewitness News reported that a fire broke out inside an Upper East Side hotel on Wednesday, and the FBI is now involved in the investigation. Really interesting. The FBI's New York field office is working to determine whether the fire at the Sherry Netherland Hotel in the Upper East Side 
is linked to the Wednesday morning arrest of this Chinese businessman, Wen Gui. Multiple law enforcement sources told that to ABC News. That'd be nuts if this was related, but I would not be surprised. FBI agents were still inside Guo's apartment at the time the fire broke out. Okay, so he's being arrested, by the way, and suddenly there's an apartment fire. Come on. Multiple law enforcement sources, that's what they told ABC News. That's about six hours after he was arrested. Okay? The agents were forced to evacuate and reported the fire to the police. That whole story is crazy. So I'm going to see the dots on this one be connected. And it would be really interesting if he was like, I'm just getting rid of some evidence. And, oh, there was a fire in my apartment. Sorry. We're going to see what happens there. And a third story here, the federal investigators that examined Trump media for possible money laundering. This is from sources from The Guardian. This is golden. All right. Federal prosecutors in New York involved in the criminal investigation into Donald Trump's social media company last year, they started examining whether it violated money laundering statutes in connection with the acceptance of $8 million with suspected Russian ties. That's according to sources familiar with the matter. This should surprise no one listening. Of course there was Russian money being funneled through True Social. Now, towards the end of last year, federal prosecutors started examining two loans totaling $8 million wired to Trump media through the Caribbean from two obscure entities that both appear to be controlled in part by the relation of an ally of Russian President Putin. Now, this is from the sources. The expanded nature of the criminal investigation, which has not been previously reported, threatens to delay the completion of the merger between Trump Media and DWAC, which would provide the company and True Social with a $1.3 billion in capital in addition to stock market listing. This is a big deal. You know, who knows where this is going to go? I mean, he's known for his shady fucking dealings and dubious income sources. So that's always been Donnie's mojo. I don't know. Maybe he got sloppy this time. I would hope. Usually he doesn't get his little sausage fingers on anything, but he's got to slip somewhere. So we'll see what's going to happen. Although I am a betting woman, I am not holding my breath because I'm not going down for that criminal. Now, everyone, you're going to remember the TV tour. You remember the TV tour, the four-person of the Fulton County grand jury went on. We just, we talked about that. They have, that well, that may have been ill-advised, apparently, but somewhat understandable. Now, I, for one, am curious what's going on inside the grand jury. So... Tamar Hellerman and Bill Rankin for the Atlantic Journal-Constitution, they obtained exclusive behind-the-scenes access to the Trump grand jury looking into election interference in the 2020 election. Now, let me set the scene for you. On the day Mike Flynn testified to the grand jury, okay, in Fulton County, law enforcement brought in bomb-sniffing dogs to take precautions against far-right activists and conspiracy theorists who might try to disrupt the proceedings. And of course, that is a very high possibility. Hellerman and Ranking interviewed several jurors and got their view of the process and sometimes the very emotional toll. And I can imagine this. If you care at all about our democracy and humans' lives in general, I'm sure hearing this, some, some of this testimony was jarring. One of the jurors described how the 75 witnesses they heard from or were told about, they fell into three buckets. The first set, who they questioned early on, were generally forthcoming in their testimony. Well, the second was witnesses who needed to receive subpoenas, but were willing to talk, were willing to talk after they got subpoenas. The third was people who clearly did not want to be there, and they fought their summons. Now, they were the last witnesses jurors heard from, and many had at least, I'd say, at one point been close to Donald, okay? So keep that in mind. 
And this is a quote. It was like night and day when that second group finished and we got to the third. This is from one juror. And they went on to say the tone in the room completely changed like overnight. Prosecutors generally took the lead on questioning witnesses and recommending who to subpoena, but jurors would step in to ask their own questions. Now, jurors said prosecutors took pains not to give their opinions, only offering guidance on what was illegal under the law. Several jurors said prosecutors never tipped their hand about who might be charged. Well, among the most compelling witnesses, various jurors agreed were Fulton County poll workers Ruby Freeman and her daughter Shay Moss. We've covered them in depth. They were the ones, though, that received the death threats after they had been singled out by Trump and Giuliani. Well, another mentioned Eric Coomer, the one-time executive for Dominion Voting Systems, who left his job after he was vilified over the election. Also mentioned was Trisha Raffensperger, and Trisha's the wife of Secretary of State Brad. And she broke down when describing the vitriol and threats that were leveled at her. And this is from the juror. Again, this is one juror's testimony. Not testimony, but this is their account to the press. And this is what they said. I was pretty emotional throughout the whole thing, a juror said. I wouldn't cry in front of any of the witnesses, but when I would get in my car, I was like, I just left that and I have to just go do my job now? I just know that, I just know things that are hard to know. And that was the juror. I can't even imagine sitting in this and hearing the death threats against Ruby and Shay and Raffensperger's wife and all of those people, even though Raffensperger obviously isn't necessarily on the same side of politics as most of us, he was trying to do the right thing. He knew that something sketchy as fuck was going on. That's why he recorded the call in general. But the vitriol toward him and his wife and, and these two election workers, it's, it's horrifying. And this is a big problem. That's the problem in the country right now. Like everyone got this green light to just do whatever the fuck they want because the last guy hasn't been held accountable. And I don't know about you, but I want to see him held accountable. And I hope that Fulton County is part of that. I think there's a good chance. So we've got New York closing in. We don't have any indictments yet, but we're hoping for them in the hush money case. The grand jury in Fulton County is still going full forward, full forward, full throttle. I just make shit up when Allison's gone, by the way. There's no one here to stop me and correct me. So hopefully you're just giggling at home and Allison's going, this is why I can't leave you alone. But those are our stories. That's the news. There's a lot. And I know what I covered. Some of it, AG, is going to be going into on much bigger depth and much deeper depth on cleanup on aisle 45. So make sure you check out the next episode of that. And I know you all could use some good news. I know I could use it. So we're going to be back in just a few minutes with that good news segment. Stay tuned. After these messages, we'll be right back. Power up for springtime with Factor. That's America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. You're going to get delicious and nutritious chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. And I need this because I travel so much. It has been a lifesaver. Factor lets you enjoy hassle-free clean eating, You're going to choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavored packed meals delivered to your door. These are ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash dailybeans50 and use code dailybeans50 to get 50% off your first box. Now, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle. Factor has 34 delicious flavor packed meals. They're going to save you time and energy. I promise they sure have done that for me. They're prepared by chefs. They're approved by dietitians. They include keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and even protein plus options on the menu each week. Each meal is going to have all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. 
Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. You just pick what you like. That's what I did. And then you can enjoy fresh flavored packed meals delivered right to your door. They'll be ready in just two minutes. And I'm not exaggerating. Two minutes, heat them up. They're delicious. There's no prep, no mess. I love their Indian butter chicken with cilantro, lime, cauliflower, rice. Delicious and juicy chicken with a rich tomato base sauce. I'm just, these are just a couple of these meals. It was so good and I cannot wait for the next one. So head to factormeals.com slash dailybeans50 and use dailybeans50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code dailybeans50 at factormeals.com slash dailybeans50 to get 50% off your first box. All right, everyone, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. Now, if you have any good news, corrections, idioms of the world, assholes of the Senate, and there are many, you've got misheard lyrics. AG and I were challenging you to get pictures of your cat in that little square uh, on the floor, apparently a painter's tape, because they like to just go sit in a box. Doesn't matter where the box is, they're going to find it. So make sure you give your submissions. We love them. They get us through our hard days. I'm going to kick it off with Christine, pronouns she and her. Hello! My main reason for writing is to share with you the nonprofit my son works for. Maybe you've already heard of them. It's called InReach. It's inreach.org. And here's a brief description from their site. The free InReach app is the world's first tech platform matching LGBTQ plus people facing discrimination and persecution with safe, verified resources. This is awesome! Christine, thank you. InReach aims to serve as a digital one-stop shop for the intersectional LGBTQ plus community. InReach has services for LGBTQ plus asylum seekers, refugees, and other immigrants, LGBTQ plus black, indigenous, and people of color, otherwise uh, BIPOC communities, the transgender and gender non-conforming TGNC community, LGBTQ plus youth and their caregivers, and more LGBTQ plus communities. That's all from the website. In these batshit crazy times, safe, verified resources are critical. It's so disheartening that we seem to be slipping backwards on so many levels in regards to basic human rights and dignity. Ugh, fucking evolve already, people. Christine, I hear you. And Christine goes on to say, on a happier note, I just retired after 46 years as a licensed veterinary technician and practice manager. Nice. We played What the Mutt reality version on a daily basis. I bet you were much better at it than I, than AG and I. I now spend my days catering to only two dogs, Faith and Nell and two cats, Jose Cuervo and Monkey. I can bombard you with cute animal pictures from work, but I will attach only one because she had her own mini-me, Whoopi. Oh, when I walked past her cage, I laughed out loud. Thanks for being my daily dose of laughter and sanity during the pandemic. Nothing quite prepares you for the joy of curbside veterinary service in the Florida heat, plus or minus torrential rains, especially when you would get the occasional lecture about being a puppet for the corrupt government regime. Oh, good Lord. Mixed with some Pizzagate and Hillary Clinton child trafficking crap. Ah, the joys of living in Florida. Love all you do and the amazing sisterhood of the estrogen you embody on a daily basis. I love this. Christine, thank you so much for bringing the app to our our attention. It's inreach.org. I know there's a lot of people that listen are going to look this up and see what they can do to either help or get involved. So thank you. And this next one's from Heather, pronouns she and her. My good news is that my new son-in-law is the sweetest guy in the world. 
and dad to Zazu, the only dog I know who doesn't like to take walks. Zazu is a three-year-old golden retriever and is literally Ferdinand the Bull and just wants to sit and smell the flowers. Jay is the CFO for a biotech startup and guess where they had all their money? Yep. Oh, shit. Jay had a very long weekend, but was calm and steady through the whole thing, as Jay always is. We love him, and we're so glad things worked out on Monday for his company and all the other depositors at SLV. And my good news, I'm wishing not such good news for Peter Thiel and Jerome Powell. I agree, Heather. Peter Thiel is such a dangerous man. I'm telling you, there are bad gays out there. He's one of them. Now, the photo I'm attached is my daughter and Jay getting married last November. Uh, The What The Mutt photo I submitted is our dog, Ruby, a Puerto Rican rescue, and the goat, the greatest of all time of dogs. No animal is sweeter or smarter. Every day, we cannot believe how lucky we are to have her. Also, I love your show. I said goodbye to Michael Barbaro when I discovered the Daily Beans. AG, I had known you on Twitter, but left the platform because of Elon. I'm so glad to be able to hear your smart insight with swearing here. P.S., my second daughter is an S1 in the Utah National Guard. We share women in the military concerns. Another reason it's good to know you're out there. Oh my goodness, though, Heather, this photo is absolutely beautiful. And this what the mutt. Oh my God. Gorgeous dog, gorgeous dog. Thank you so much for that. And this next one's from Jay, pronouns she and her. This may look like a regular envelope, but it's actually really important. You see, I'm an active duty military member. Thank you for your service, Jay. Newest branch, Go Guardians. And I vote absentee in Wisconsin. What started as pure laziness is just never changing or updating my residency over the last 10 years has actually become my most important tool in changing culture. I wasn't raised there and have no emotional ties to my dad when my dad moved their senior year of high school. But the way Wisconsin goes is so important. It would be easy to write it off as just a bunch of farmers and cows whose 50s ideas, gross, will never change. But the special election is vital in helping push Wisconsin into the future instead of regressing to the past. I lost my dad to Trumpism and QAnon BS. And my bro is a flat earther, anti-vaxxer now. Oh my goodness. And Jay, I'm so sorry. How insulting to someone in my line of work. But I won't let Wisconsin go quietly into the night. I'll drag, in, I'll drag it kicking and screaming to the light myself. And I'll be damned if I won't use my absentee vote to tell every MAGA-loving Trump sucker who wants to be on the school board to eat my, well, you get it. Pod Pet Tax is my big man, Kiawa. Kiawa? I hope I'm saying Kiawa right. My fave helicopter. Oh, someone in the military would know that. I hope I'm saying that right then, the Kiawa. He only ever wants to sit on my lap and I'm working on my master's degree homework, but I love him so much that even when I'm exhausted, I let him stay. Keep fighting the good fight, ladies. We are not alone. Now, the special election that Jay's talking about is um, the state Supreme Court. In Wisconsin, if you can get the Supreme Court seat, and it's very important that we do, they can ungerrymander this state. This is a really big fucking deal. So if you're in Wisconsin, make sure you are paying attention. Oh my God, the kitty and the jagged. Jay, that's so sweet. And good luck with your masters. I hope everything is going well. Thank you for the submission. Oh, here we go. Oh my God, this is hysterical. This is Carrie. She, her. Last year, my first grade daughter did her science experiment on the shapes that cats prefer. She outlined shapes on the floor with painter's tape. She made cat toys in various shapes, and she placed cat treats in various shaped areas. You'll be happy to learn that in addition to squares, cats also like to sit in triangles and circles outlined on the floor. 
They like toys of all shapes, and they'll eat treats from any shaped area. Not surprising. For pet tax, I've, at- I've attached some of my daughter's photos of our cats participating in the science shapes. This is so funny. Right in the middle of the square. A little confused about the triangle, but the butt is still right in the middle of the triangle. Oh, these are really sweet. Oh, and they've got the treats in the, in the, in the shapes. This is adorable. Oh, my goodness. These cats are so cute. Thank you for all the submissions. Thank you for letting us know about this LGBTQ plus app, inreach.org. Christine, I appreciate you. Anything we can do for the community right now? I was in Nashville, Tennessee last weekend. And as you can imagine, um, people are fired up in Nashville and in Tennessee. I can't believe we haven't covered McNally. I wonder if AG did that on another episode. I'll need to check into it because their lieutenant governor is in a lot of fucking trouble because he doesn't know Instagram is public. And he's been voting against the rights of the LGBTQ community, but has no problem commenting on a 20-year-old gay thirst trap on Instagram. If you don't know the story, look it up. It's hilarious. All right. I miss my recording partner, but she will be back with us tomorrow, everyone. I hope you enjoy the news. I hope you're having a great day. You've already got my final thoughts. And um, that's it. I'm just happy to be back. But now I miss my recording partner. So, AG, get back here. Everyone misses your voice with me. All right, everyone, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. That was probably not in the right order, but I think I covered it. And remember, vote blue over Q and take everyone with you, especially in Wisconsin in April. All right, that's it. AG's coming back tomorrow. I've been DG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>